could you and would you remain standing as you turn to 1 John chapter 2 for our lesson today. 1 John chapter 2. And as you find that, let me encourage you that tomorrow evening is men's prayer time. Tomorrow evening is men's Monday night men quest for authentic manhood. And then ladies, the Bible study that began last Monday is not too late for you to join again tomorrow evening at 7. Verse 18, 1 John chapter 2. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us. Everybody say the next two words. Eternal life. Say it again. I'll read on. Verse 26. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true... And it's not a lie. And just as it taught you, you will abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him. That when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Could you say amen to His word? Thank you for being seated in the presence of God. Keep your Bibles open to this reference, please. Last Sunday I began a series of lessons entitled Counterfeit Christianity. This morning I want to continue with lesson number two with the thought, deceptions of the last hour. I'm constantly getting what I think is uh, inspiration. Many times it is. So I, I, as I lay in bed on Saturday night, I wish I had a pen and paper nearby. And sometimes I do when I write something else. I release the scriptures, close up the book, send it to the pulpit, and then I find something else. Write something else down. I think that all of us in living our lives, knowing that our days are numbered, we all want to be real and we want to get the real. The real, instead of the counterfeit, is more valuable. A real $50 bill is a lot more valuable. Matter of fact, anything else and we will have a visitation to make in the jail ministry to where you are. 
How many know you can get arrested not even knowing you have counterfeit money and you, you go and try to transact business and they'll think you're the one that printed it out? The real is more valuable. The real is more effective. The real is more rewarding. And that's why we put emphasis on wanting the real. We are that way about eating. I know you don't want to say amen prematurely because you don't know what I'm setting you up for. One of of my favorite television shows, and you don't have to say amen here because I'll be back at you if you do incriminate me, is Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Can I get a witness? They go all of America looking for the real Tennessee barbecue all the way down in Florida. The real Carolina barbecue all the way up in Maine. You know, we, we want the real when we eat. Coke used to advertise their product as the real thing. You remember that? Until they came up with the new formula. That went over like a lead balloon. We all want the real thing. I mean, talk to me, somebody. I've, I've really not made a three-day shopping trip to New York, uh, New York City. But uh, those who do often get invited off the streets to go off the streets through a door, through another door, which is a back door, where behind they have the supposedly real Gucci bags. <laughs> the real coach bags. I've seen the real coach bags. And I told my wife when I saw that price, anytime you want to see it, I'll bring you back to this store. (laughs) But women are particular. They want the real heels and the real bag. Talk to me, man. Very gently. Yes, talk to me like you really agree, guys. We want the real car. We don't. We want to go buy a car and come find out a month later it's been in a wreck and it's it's had scratches. No matter how beautifully it's painted and how metallic it looks, we want the real original. Can I get another amen, somebody? Uh, we want the real thing in our sports personalities. We don't want to know they've been doping up and shooting up and breaking all kind of records in the name of drugs. Preach, preacher. Thank you. I think I will. We want the real music. We don't want to be standing up there mouthing some stuff at us and ain't their real voice and they're mouthing somebody else. We want the real thing. Can I get an amen? And why shouldn't we be insistent in this last days and these hours of deception more than ever before on the real gospel, on the real Jesus, on the real Bible, on the real Holy Ghost, on the real power of God? And that's why I bring you this series of messages. For almost 2,000 years of Christianity, there have been those who would offer a counterfeit faith as a substitute for the real. And so your Bible's open, perhaps in verse 18, John reminds us that the Antichrist is coming. Little children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. And so as I, as I teach this morning, I, I want to just, just help you to find out the real. When I look up the word Antichrist, I come to a definition that I think is apropos for the lesson, and it's biblically sound. According to Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary, Antichrist is defined as the following. A false prophet, an evil being, who will set himself up against Christ and the people of God in the last days before the second coming. It continues. The term Antichrist refers to one who stands in opposition to all that Jesus Christ represents. Now many who study the subject see the prefix 
anti, A-N-T-I. And they say it refers to one who is against Christ. And while this may be ultimately true, perhaps the real idea of the word anti is substitute. Think with me. Stretch your thinking. The Antichrist is one who offers himself as a substitute for Christ. Only John, the writer of this book, John, only John uses the title Antichrist. Other biblical writers use different terms to describe this diabolical person. When Daniel writes about him in the book of Daniel, Daniel refers to him in Daniel 9 and 27 as the prince who is to come. The Apostle Paul talks about the coming of the Antichrist and he refers to him by two different terms. They're found in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3. He calls him the man of sin and he also calls him the man of lawlessness. Very descriptive of who he is and who he will be. John, who writes the book of Revelation in chapter 13 verses 1 through 10, calls him the beast out of the sea. However, John, the one who writes 1st, 2nd and 3rd John... John's real concern in this passage that is ours today is not so much for the Antichrist that's yet to come, but the existence of many Antichrists which were present in the world at his time. The many Antichrists in verse 18 is reference to those who were called Gnostic teachers. And they were beginning to undermine biblical Christianity near the end of the first century. Gnostic teachers, Gnosticism, uh, a whole doctrine that courts a portion of Christianity but compromises a portion of it. Are we living in that time now? And, And I would have you see this, and I think I have it on the screen. Two chapters over from our text, 1 John chapter 4. Here again. John expounds this Antichrist thinking and this counterfeit Christianity. So in 1 John chapter 4 verse 1, the Bible says, and let me make sure I have the reference. Chapter 4 verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the Spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is already in the world. Please, I'm just giving you some foundations. There is a spirit in America and in the world. That is Antichrist. They may not be a visible man in government right yet, but he's on the way. Who will become the world, one world leader, who will become the Antichrist. But the spirit is already there. The atmosphere is already there. The climate is already there of deception and counterfeit and and beautiful sounding words. And the ability on the part of somebody who will come on the scene who has a charismatic personality and know how to parse words. The spirit of anti-Bible, anti-church, anti-God, anti-Holy Ghost, anti-Christianity is already ready in the world. And so we need to know, we, we need to understand the real from the fake. The world has always offered substitutes for the real. Counterfeit Christianity is a substitute for true Christianity. The world offers a 
counterfeit Jesus for the real Jesus. I have never known a time when there are more evidences of counterfeit Christianity than in our day. The counterfeit movements are not trying to begin new movements from scratch. Hear me now. Rather, they are trying to devise and deceive way, device ways to deceive true believers by pulling them away from the faith. Verse 26, not on the screen, but it's in your Bible. John says, I'm writing you these things. I have written unto you concerning them that seduce you. The amplified version of the Bible puts it this way. I write this to you with reference to those who would deceive, seduce, and lead you astray. Many people are being deceived by false teachers and teachings that are bound in America today. Christianity in America and around the world is under attack like you've never seen before. How we recognize the real from the false is critical. And yet I've got good news to you for you because in our text, John, 1900 years ago, this was written in the first century, wrestle with the problems that we are wrestling with now. And I must tell you that if it was the last hour then, <laughs> you're living on borrowed time now. John gives several characteristics of counterfeit Christianity from our text, but he also gives several characteristics of true Christianity, and I'll begin with this characteristic of counterfeit Christianity. John says, those of counterfeit Christianity have departed from the faith. He says in verse number 19 of our text, 1 John 2, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they may be made manifest that they were not of us at all. Get this now. Counterfeit Christianity doesn't come from without the world so much as it comes from within the church. Let me show you what I mean. The founder of Jehovah's Witness is a man by the name of Charles T. Russell. He came from Presbyterian, Congregational, and Seventh-day Adventist backgrounds. The founder of the Mormons, a man by the name of Joseph Smith, was so disillusioned with all churches and with the Scripture that he founded his own and wrote his own book. Listen to me. The adherence of counterfeit Christianity doesn't have their origin from the world. Most folks who go astray have at one time been rooted and grounded and established in the Word of God. Sun Young Moon and his cult around the world, Sun Young Moon began in the Presbyterian church. Anybody hearing the preacher? There was a man and his wife who founded a cult called Heaven's Gate. You remember them? Let me refresh your memory. Heaven's Gate was a cult 
that police discovered their intentions only when it was too late for them. When on March 26, 1997, police discovered the bodies of 39 members of this cult who had committed suicide in order to reach what they believed was an alien spacecraft which was following the comet Hale-Bopp when it would be at its brightest. How many remember when that incident took place in California? Raise your hands. You, know. you have to ask yourself, can people be so blind? David Koresh caused a large number of people to be incinerated in Waco, Texas under the guise of Jesus and the Bible. He started off right. Did anybody hear me here? You remember the, the man who took a thousand and more Americans from California, Los Angeles, after the, the Social Security Service and the IRS realized what he was doing and, and conning these people in the name of God. Uh, what is his name? Remember his name. Jim Jones. Yes. Jim, remember Jim Jones? Yeah. And he caused almost 900, uh, over 960 people, men, women, and children who saw him as their Messiah to drink the poison and took their lives. Somebody says, we're living in an enlightened America. We're living in an intellectual America. We're living in a better day and time. I beg your pardon, somebody, because the devil is a liar and a mastermind at lying. And you'll be amazed at what people will be drugged into thinking it is of God and I tell you that all these people who led people to their death at one time started in the faith but departed from the faith there are people in Christianity there may be people scouting out churches this morning I don't know, there may be somebody in this house who may be looking to try to start something new here against the Scripture. And I want you to know, after you hear this sermon, you're probably going to leave and never come back. But I pray you get saved. Here's my point. There are people in Christianity. They look like us. They sound like us. They quote scriptures like us. They carry Bibles like us. They, they, they some of even know how to speak in tongues like the Pentecostals. But they are not of us. And you got to know them. That's why the Bible says, try the spirits. Just because it's hot and everybody else is doing it. I'm not against TBN. There are wonderful, authentic ministries in there. But there's some counterfeit people who get time on there too. I'm not against Inspiration Network or Daystar. Thank God for Christian television. But just because they're giving you a cross or some kind of medallion for your $100 and you get 10000 back, you better try the spirits. Just because they tell you nobody ever gets sick. And if you get this water from the River Jordan that I'll send to you in a little vial for your $100 and you take a sip every morning, you're going to live a long time. You better try the spirits. I said I was going to teach, but now I'm going to meddle. Counterfeit Christianity. second thing John says about it is those who are of that persuasion have denied the faith. Look at verse 21 of our text. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? That's pretty plain. 
He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Many people in 21st century Christianity find it easy to talk about God, but very difficult to talk about Jesus. Did you follow what I'm saying? Because if you talk about God, it could be the force is with us. Oh, I, I, got a, I got a little something. Go. If you talk about God, then, then, then it will be so all-inclusive. It could be the God of the uh, New Age. It could be the God of Christian science. It could be the God of Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or even this cult I talked to. It, when you talk about God, you're just so all-inclusive. But don't come here talking about Jesus because then it gets really specific. Dr. Tony Evans is a, a very well-known minister of the gospel in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. A wonderful anointed African-American brother who I hear on the radio sometimes. And because of his defense of the gospel, he, he has been well-liked and, and well-affirmed in many places. On one occasion, I read this week where Dr. Tony Evans was invited by the Dallas City Council to have a prayer for the city council at the opening of their session. But they told Dr. Tony Evans that if you come and pray here, you cannot use the name of Jesus in your prayers. To which Dr. Tony Evans says, I don't pray non-Jesus prayers. God bless Dr. Tony Evans. I, I, I don't know what you pray, but I tell you there is power in the name of Jesus. Yes. And I know that there are many who want to be politically correct and they will bring a Islam to pray a prayer and they'll bring a Hindu to pray a prayer and the patronizing Christians, they'll bring us in to pray a prayer. I want to tell you, my friends, if you've got to be in the midst of somebody somewhere, do not compromise the name of Jesus because he is a liar who denies that Jesus is the Christ. You are a counterfeit. You are not real if you are some kind of secret agent believer. Jesus and Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto my salvation if you've been saved by the blood and you're not ashamed clap your hands for Jesus yes I don't pray non-Christian prayers and so you might as well you know the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit Somebody says, aren't you judging, Pastor? No, I'm just a fruit inspector. And I tell you, I have met some fruity Christians. I've met some fruits otherwise, but we won't go there. You all just mess up my notes and my sermon by agging me on. Any church, any man, any organization... Claims to be Christian, but depreciates. Did you hear me? Depreciates the person and work of the Jesus of Jesus Christ is not of us. This passage that is our text today reveals that to deny Jesus is also to deny the Father. Isn't that what it says? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Oh, pastor, I'm not going to be a world leader and I'm not going to initiate the mark of the beast and I'm not going to speak peace to the world. I'm not an antichrist. No, you probably are not going to be that world leader. But did you know in our own private life we can have the spirit of antichrist? And there are groups, groups like the Gnostics that John spoke about. Groups like Christian scientists, New Agers, Unity, this and deny the humanity of Jesus Christ. There are people in, in America and organizations under the name of Christian 
who says that Jesus' humanity was not real. It just seemed real. The other groups, and I mentioned the Jehovah's Witness, and I might just tell you again because they spend a lot of time in evangelism and come to your doors. And, and, and let me say this to you, and you don't misunderstand me. The only thing I envy about the Jehovah's Witness movement is their zeal. I envy that in a, in a very good way, meaning their evangelism zeal. Having doors slammed in their face, that's the, that's the, that's the only thing. That's where I start and that's where I stop. I could say that for the Mormons, actually. I envy the fact that at age 19, most Mormon youth will go on a mission for two years. But that's where I stop. Because I want you to understand that there are groups, and especially the Jehovah's Witness, who deny the deity of Jesus Christ. What do you mean deity? Deity Deity means God. But God in the flesh. All counterfeit Christianity denies the incarnation of Jesus, God in the flesh. Please understand, you got your Bibles open, say amen somebody, I am hurrying. Go to, go to 1 John 4. It says in verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Give me a witness. Look at verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is already in the world. Give me another amen somebody. Recent years has witnessed the intensification of attacks on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. There's a a group of so-called scholars in America known as the Jesus Seminar. They are pseudo-scholars. The word pseudo, of course, means false. These so-called scholars, supposedly Christian scholars, they deny, number one, that Jesus is the Son of God. They deny, number two, that... He is virgin born. They deny, number three, that he performed miracles. They deny, number four, that he died a vicarious substitutionary death for you and I on the cross. And they denied his bodily resurrection. Well, if you take all those out, what do you have? Nothing. But they claim to be Christians. The Jesus Seminar. Matter of fact, on, on, on some television documentaries that purport to be defending Christianity, you'll find that the Jesus Seminar scholars, so-called, are quoted more than true, authentic, biblical scholars. And they're supposed to be experts, and yet they deny the very core of our faith. Can somebody help me preach here? I don't have this on the screen, but you need to write this down. Let me just teach you. A biblical Christian is committed to the doctrine of the Word of God. Can I get an amen? If you are a biblical Christian, you are going to be lock, stock, and barrel committed, sold out to 100% of this Word being, Thus saith the Lord, and the doctrine of the Word of God. Give the Lord some praise. Biblical Christians are committed to what is known as core theology. And the question then would arise, then what is core theology? Core theology is the doctrine of theology that makes a Christian a Christian. Now we all know that there's such a thing as Baptist theology, Methodist theology. We know we have differences. There's such thing as Lutheran theology, Presbyterian theology, There are such things as Pentecostal theology. Core theology is what is common to all these theologies 
that make a Christian a Christian. Because please, please don't think I'm trying to talk down to you. When I say theology, you know that theology means the study of God. But we're talking about the God of scriptures. Let, 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 me, let me see if I can be a little more clear. One writer calls core theology the non-negotiables of the Christian faith. There are some things that God doesn't give you or me a right to vote on, change. Whether we like it or not, they are non-negotiables. Because God has put them there for us to get the real blessing. The real eternal life. The real truth. God has put these core values, the non-negotiables of Scripture, because if we adopt them and live by them, it will change our lives and we can change our world. Now, each of them deserved a singular sermon, but I'm not going to preach them. I'm just going to show them to you. Because let me tell you, when you come here to church this morning, it's more about me tickling your fancy, whatever that means. When you come here to church this morning, it's more than you hear me saying whoop glory and we all just get happy. I like whoop glory and I like we getting happy. But when you come here this morning, you don't need no pablum to, to mix up and make some kind of drink so you could have a little milk. Can I get an amen? We Christians need to get off of just experiential walking alone. I thank God for the experience. I thank God for the Holy Ghost. I thank God that sometimes something gets in my shoes beside my feet. I want to jump. I want to yell. I want to praise God. But I also want to know as high as I jump, I better land on my two feet because I'm going to face the devil as soon as I get out there in my car or in the yard. So I got to know why I believe, what I believe, who I believe, and who I am for, and who is in me. Core theology is the infallibility of Scripture. I'm telling you, I know that, and I'll preach this one, one in, in maybe next Sunday, in this series of, of, of true Christianity, that this is the infallible Word of God. That it was God-breathed. Can I get an amen? I know men anointed by God over a period of over 1,500 years wrote the Old and the New Testament. I know that. I know that God used them. But men were inspired. God breathed and men wrote the Word of God. Here's another non-negotiable. And that is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ was conceived in Mary's womb by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost put the seed in there. So with the union of her womb and what God had created her to be, she was not, he was not born of man, thus he would have had sin. He was born of God because he is God. Somebody says, I can't figure that out, so therefore I'm not going to believe it. Well, you help me figure out how a black cow can eat green grass and give white milk, and then we'll be on the same thing, okay? Help me figure out how the wind blows in one way and comes from another. Help me figure out how God controls the waves to stop at the shore and not come any further. There's a whole lot. Help me figure out how your heart beats and how your eye sees and how your tongue tastes, and then let's figure out whether we're going to eat or not. But there are just some things I'm going to take by faith because it works in my life and it works in my world and whether I can figure out whether or not Jesus was born of a virgin is not my business. I know the Bible says it. Jesus is God and I'm going to stand on that non-negotiable word. Give the Lord some hand clap, somebody. Yes. And then there is the substitutionary atoning death of Jesus Christ. That's non-negotiable. 
Oh, Buddha didn't die for your sins. Read his book. Hare Krishna didn't die for your sins. Read his book. Sun, young moon didn't die for your sins. Jesus did. It is common law, common practice. And if I do wrong, I must suffer the consequence. Jesus said, however, you did wrong. I didn't. I'll suffer. You live. I die. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Non-negotiable. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a whole nother sermon, isn't it? Ah. Because Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you're all just like sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. If Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, you're wasting your September 16th Sunday morning hour. But Paul says, and he verifies, and you know already that that tomb, not only was the tomb empty, but he appeared to 500 witnesses at one time. And he personally appeared to Paul, who was formerly Saul, on the road to Damascus when he gave him a transformation of his life. And he became the greatest missionary and evangelist of the New Testament world. I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is still alive. And here it is. We'd be wasting our time if we, didn't, if we thought our government, our military, our education institutions, and our know-how would give us eternal life. <laughs> Jesus is coming again. I said Jesus is coming again. And, and, and here we are. There, there, is this, there is this counterfeit Christianity that will deceive the faithful. Paul, pardon me, John says, These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. I want you to... John is saying... Listen to this. I like the way another man, John Stott, S-T-O-T-T, more contemporary. Maybe a Christian apologist. And the word apologist may make you think that we are apologizing for the faith. Really it means defending the faith. Christian apologist is one who defends the faith. John Stott says, in regards to this age of Christian counterfeit, the person who denies that Jesus is Christ, he says, we must pronounce him the liar. The liar par excellence. John Stott goes on and says, indeed you can tell this is the arch lie because he who perpetuates it is none other than the Antichrist, not the personal Antichrist who's still to come, but a living embodiment of the spirit of the Antichrist. I I say this to you, and I tell you, that we are so busy with so much of life, and so much investment of time, talent, and treasure, in just surviving, until at times... We settle for less than God's best. Until at times we sacrifice time in prayer each morning. We sacrifice opening the scripture every day. We sacrifice because we got to drop the kids off to school before we go to work and we're already running late. But we'll do it before we lay down, I promise you, Jesus. And slowly we are deceived. Somebody says, you ought to read the Bible. You don't have to pray. Yes, you do. 
It's your GPS system. It's your God, the Holy Ghost. The, the, now, I won't even get to the three points that makes for th- true Christianity, but we got next Sunday if the rapture don't come. And if it does come, I'll meet you at the corner of Hallelujah and Amen Street. And I'll finish this message. But you won't need it then. Listen to me. And I'll do it next week. John says, we have an anointing. If you don't pray and read, you, have a, you don't have a devil anointing in you or an antichrist anointing. You have a Holy Ghost anointing. It, you, you can't be in church every day to know right and wrong. And, and you can't listen to all the preachers and teachers. Paul said, John says, I'm writing to people who already know the truth. But in order for you to practice the truth, you've got to keep rehearsing it. Rehearsing it. Fasting and prayer and quoting scriptures. Or you'll be deceived. You, you, know, you know how bank tellers can tell counterfeit money from phony money? You know, there are so many different ways that counterfeit, counterfeiters have come up to reproduce a five or a one or a, a currency. They have the paper, they have the color, they have the texture. There are probably hundreds of ways that counterfeiters might try to slip by a 10 or 20 or a $100 bill. And bank tellers do not have the time, nor does the bank have the opportunity to invest in their tellers to let them study a hundred different counterfeit ways. But you know what they do? They handle the real every day. Every day, bank tellers, they handle the real money. Handle it. And if you handle it all the time, oh, I feel a... Yeah, I, I, yeah, now, sorry for you doctorates and PhDs and MAs and BS. That's Bachelor of Science. I had to clarify, you know, because there are people here who think, yeah, yeah, you'll get it. BAs, Bachelor of Arts. You brought your friend here so you could see, he could see somebody dignified and maybe want to come back. I done blew that. That would be counterfeit. If I wasn't really me. I lost my thought. You handle it. You handle it. Pastor Jeff, sir. Pastor Chad, sir. Brothers and sisters, choir. The more I handle this, the less likely I am, Brother Don, to get something else thrown on my plate. Stand up, everybody. Stand up. Oh, Pastor, why you preach that way? Because the Bible says in the last verse of our text, so we'll have confidence in the last days and we'll not be ashamed at his coming. That's, that's what verse 28 says. You think you're okay. You looked okay. You sounded okay. You gave some tithe. You sang a song. You, you went and visited a nursing home and a jail and all that's wonderful. And you should. You made a mission trip. God bless you. Please do. But works won't save us. It's Believing, confessing, living the Christ. Bow your heads, please. Lord, we want to know you. This choir, every head bowed, every eye closed. This choir sang, Jesus, be the center of it all. I want you to be the center of this church and my life and all of our lives. Can I get a witness from the church? Oh God, there are those within this house who may be being pulled to compromise pulled oh God to be silent when we should be vocal to not pray when we should pray to not forgive when we should forgive 
There are those who are being pulled aside, being told that you have a lot of time. And this antichrist business, they're being told by the devil, ain't going to happen. There are even those here today, God, who might be reluctant to call on the name of Jesus Christ because of the negative effect it may have as being a supervisor, a boss, a manager, or a leader. Forgive us today. Can I get an amen, church? And let us turn to you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Don't have a lot of time. Now the crowd's coming in. Head bowed and eyes closed. And the saints are praying under your, in, in, your, in a whisper. Pastor Matura, if Jesus Christ comes today, because he could, or he calls me home to heaven or out of this life, I want to be sure that I have the real thing. And Pastor, I want the real thing in every area of my life. Why not? in the part of my life that's going to live eternally. I want eternal life. And as you close this morning, Pastor, you pray for me. I want to rededicate my life to Christ or give my heart to Him the first time. Nobody else is looking. Hold it up, and I'm just going to ask you to hold it up for a moment, if that would be you. I'm coming back, or I'm coming for the first time. Hold it up. Nobody else is looking. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Put him down. Now, everybody, open your eyes and look at the preacher. Pastor Allen, I believe I'm okay, but I do know that there are some who are not. Even some out of my own house. They're not saved, they're deceived, or they're into another kind of teaching and doctrine and faith, and it's counterfeit. And while I'm happy to go to heaven, I don't want to go alone if I can take somebody with me. Do you know somebody who needs their eyes opened and the revelation? Might you hold your hand up for them? Might you lift both of your hands now? And, and just lift your head to heaven. Let's pray for one another that we be not deceived. Come on. Pray over your own self first. Come on. Everybody, offer, pray loud enough for you to hear yourself pray. So that you won't be distracted by your thoughts. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Oh, blessed Jesus. Come on. Let's get a little more intense, church. Father, the devil, you told us, Jesus, that the devil comes to steal and to kill and destroy the devil is a liar. You told us in the word that those who deny Jesus Christ is a liar and not a friend of Jesus. Come on. Oh God, I do not want to, again, this series of sermon is not because I want to play church or play Christian or play worship. Let me hear you pray, church. We got sons and daughters that are living in lifestyles that somebody told them it's okay and it's not. Pray with me. They got, we got people, oh God, going to places and looking at things and handling things that somebody told them it's okay because they got saved so many times ago and God doesn't mind it. And they have renounced you, God, by their lifestyle and choices. And I ask you in Jesus... Come on, pray with me, church. Oh God, help me not to just be a guardian of my own soul. Help me to be a guardian of my wife and my children and my grandchild. Come on, somebody pray for souls here today. My God, I'm not happy to go to heaven alone if I can take somebody else with me. Jesus didn't just... Come on, come on. Oh God. Raise up your hands, church. Raise up your voices. Jesus... I, I want to put you back on the throne of my heart. I, I, I want to know that if I were to die today, I will not be ashamed when I stand before you. I do not want to be ashamed and embarrassed. I do not want you to say to me, Sorry, I never knew you. Depart from me. He cursed into everlasting fire. God, I do not want to wait to the last minute if I can be changed today. Touch that husband. Touch that wife. Touch that mother. Touch that father. Touch that teenager. Touch that senior adult. Pray with me, church. God, bring revival to our families.
America. Take the scales off of our eyes. Take the stoppers off of our ears. Take the doubt out of our heart. Give us fire in our bones. Give us courage like we cannot have on our own. Oh, bless your name, Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. Bring your praise team, brother. Bring it, sing it. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, praise him.